Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Our God is good. Our God is faithful. Our God is awesome. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. We bless the name of the Lord. We magnify the name of the Lord. Is there anybody else here who agrees with me that he is worthy? He is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. I wish I could hear myself a little bit more from some monitor. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Can we also put our hands together for the worship ministry and the woman of God? The woman of God who led us in worship this morning. She led us yesterday. Um, just, just genuine, genuine, unadulterated anointing to worship. No fancy stuff, nothing, just pure heart of worship in the worship ministry. And I just really give God glory for that. I, I want to honor the apostolic leaders again this morning. I want to honor Apostle Ben and uh, Bent and Mama Bent. And um, of course, I want to honor uh, Apostle Adiomoba. I, I know you as an apostle, and I thank God for your life and what the Lord is doing through you in this nation as a whole. And uh, I really want to salute Pastor Hyacinth and Pastor Glenn. Want to salute you and thank God for your life. I had the privilege of um, hearing more and more about Pastor Hyacinth's fa family children grandchildren and i and i was thinking to myself when i called my wife yesterday i said sweetheart you would not know she doesn't look like she's got 11 grandchildren and when she talked about what the lord is doing with all of them it was such such a joy you know when when the grace of god is upon our lives we remain looking fresh and people would wonder you know they just don't know they think it's some sort of cream or some some special diet but they don't know that it's just god carrying us to God be the glory. My wife is not with me this morning. She's back home in our home church, just um, ministering away. I think right about now the service will be over. And I'm really thankful for the woman the Lord has blessed me with. Her name is Ruth. I hope and pray one day she'll be able to come with me. She's a mighty woman of God. Pastor Adi can testify to that. She's a fiery preacher. Even though for probably the, most of the last three years in our church, we had to have three services every Sunday because our building was quite small. And, um, and I, couldn't, I couldn't afford to not be in church. I mean, it's very rare that I would not be in church on a Sunday morning. She, she doesn't mind preaching. She just doesn't like to do three services. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So I know they've had an awesome time this morning. Myself and Chinit is with me today. Would you just wave your hands again at their brother? He heads our protocol ministry at the church. Um, and um, he's with me this morning. I'm so thankful. Very, very thankful. God is good. God is faithful. I went back to the hotel yesterday initially feeling like, oh, I just wish we had more time for everything the Lord wanted to do. You know, there was the team who were with me. Uh, we've, we've been trained by the Lord to hear and, and pick up words of knowledge, prophetic words. And so they were not just with me yesterday uh, to like carry Bible or something, but they, they had all received downloads from the Lord. 
and um, they had all those things that the Lord had told them he wanted to do and so in my heart I thought by the time we finished I said God I know you I trust you even though we did not get to call the prayer point because every single one of them had words of knowledge that even though we didn't get to call the words of knowledge I know God has a way of seeing to it that he would do what he still wants to do and i've had testimonies like that examples of times when i've been asked to minister somewhere and there wasn't enough time and uh, i remember going home thinking oh god but that word of knowledge and that one but shockingly when the pastor called me about a week later and began to share testimonies from the congregation he was sharing testimonies of the words of knowledge i didn't call how many people know god is awesome He's, he's an awesome God. He's really, really faithful. He's very, very faithful. He's been good to me. I'm very thankful. I can testify of his faithfulness. This year, my wife and I, we celebrate 28 years of marriage. He's blessed us with three wonderful children, and they are all loving the Lord. They're all serving the Lord. Um, all of our children now currently reside in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The first two actually went to a Roberts University. They graduated, did their masters, and then decided they were going to stay there. And the youngest one now decided last year that she was going to go there to study medicine as well. So we're empty nesters. I know I look too young to be an empty nest. I'm just in my 50s, but really, really thankful. Yesterday, for example, I got back to the hotel to discover that my son had been ministering worship on the platform in front of tens of thousands yesterday and that's just the joy of parenting you know it's like god multiplies what we can do and he sent me the video and he said dad man i've never ministered in front of such an audience it was at the maybe center in tulsa oklahoma lisa bevere was ministering and probably there was like forty thousand or there about people there and he sent me the video and it filled my heart with joy it filled my heart with so much joy that father i thank you for what you are doing when he finished his mba all we wanted was we just wanted him to go into corporate world we knew the call of god was upon his life and so on and so forth and and i just used to say you know son just just go do some of the corporate world ministries for life don't worry you don't you don't need to do this stuff here but you know god has a different plan and god got him into the ministry he started serving with worship serving in the bible school now he's the head of operations and development of a multi-million dollar ministry organization just for God's faithfulness. So, so, so thankful as I'm here this morning to declare how awesome our God is. He is a faithful God. Can we take another moment just to celebrate it? How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. Come on, let's just bless him together this morning. And how great is our Tell him how great he is and how great. 
Lord. You're great, Lord. Would you take a moment just to give him a bit of a praise and worship break and just tell him how wonderful he is. Just tell him how wonderful he is. Use your own words. Let your own words be your lyrics this morning. Let your own words be your lyrics this morning. I don't know about you, but sometimes it just feels like just, just enjoy him and intentionally acknowledge him. Intentionally acknowledge him. I want to just encourage somebody, would you just join me this morning? Just intentionally, let's just take another minute just to acknowledge him by telling him welcome, 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 welcome. Welcome, welcome. Our God is here by his spirit. We welcome you. We welcome you. We welcome you. We welcome you. The Spirit of the Father, the Spirit of the Son is in the room. Just go ahead. Go ahead. Your ability to welcome him will create a hunger on the inside of you. And your hunger will determine what you receive this morning. Because we know we didn't come just to mark a register. We know we didn't come just to watch the worship ministry. And we definitely did not come to listen to a man. We came for an encounter. If there's anybody else who came for an encounter, just begin to welcome him. Begin to welcome him. Begin to welcome him. Let's call upon that name of Jesus. Tell him, Jesus, we love you. We love you this morning. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. You're the name. You're the name. You're the name. You're the name above all names. You are worthy of our praise. My heart will sing. Praise the name of the Lord. You know, 
most of my life I've always been the prim and proper guy who just likes everything to be set. Everything has to be according to program. And a time came when the Lord began to say to me, Daniel, there's a limit to how much I can use you if you're too set. Sometimes just relax and let me have my way. And we've had a few services where the Lord would say, what do you have to say while I'm still asking for more worship? And so we've learned to know how to shut our mouths and just know times when we just go on and we please Him. And I learned after a while that the real reason why we gather is to worship Him, to exalt Him. It's when His presence is manifested and He releases an unction to speak. That's really when we have something to say. So it really doesn't matter whether we, we've spent time preparing a sermon and all of that stuff. Really, what matters the most, what blesses the people the most, is what the Father has to say. So I've learned. He trained me over a period of time. When we started doing three services, and particularly the evening service, we call it Kingdom Encounter Service. Our aim with Kingdom Encounter is not so much a sermon as much as to experience Him. So we deliberately push with worship until we can get somewhere where His presence is tangible. And then we begin to enjoy what He has for us. So whether it's a prophetic word, it flows. Whether it's healing, it flows. Whether He wants to deliver, we just let Him have His way. And then He began to break me out of my mold. He would tell me, son, you're not allowed to prepare a message. And I'd be thinking, Lord, so what would you have me do? And I'm sitting in my office sometimes an hour just before the word. And he'll say, wait, nothing yet. And then sometimes in the middle of the worship, he'll give me one verse. And he'll say, take that verse and I'll give you the rest as you stand there and learn to release the flow. So bear with me this morning if it seems like, oh, that's a bit of a detour. We're expecting him to start preaching the sermon. I really don't have anything to say until he has something to say. And I can just open my mouth and let it come out. Hallelujah. Do you mind me asking you to rise up one more time this morning? Would you just rise up with me one more time this morning and grab your Bibles? We're going to intentionally do uh, like a Bible confession. Just, just grab your Bible. It's kind of like a little test. Pastor Daniel is trying to figure out how many people uh, have learned to come to church without their Bibles. And they try to make their Bible the same place where they've got their Instagram and their Facebook and all of that stuff. You know that kind of stuff where we're in church, everybody thinks you're opening to the Bible, but really you're on your Facebook page. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We pray, oh God, that you will breathe upon your word, that you would minister powerfully this day. Lord, I surrender myself completely to you. I feel at home in the presence of my brothers and sisters, oh God. Lord, co-heirs, fellow heirs of your kingdom. And I ask, oh God, that you will anoint me this morning with the grace and the anointing to minister your word effectively. And I thank you, Lord, that I'm anointed to teach so are your sons and daughters able to listen, to receive, to understand your word, that we may all profit and prosper as a result of your word in the name of Jesus. May I ask that while we're standing, can we just open together to Luke chapter 9? I would like us to read our opening text together this morning. Luke chapter 9, we're going to read verses 28 to 36. Luke chapter 9 verses 28 to 36. Please bear with me if you're not used to doing this. 
I just love it sometimes when we all kind of get into the word together. Luke chapter 9, verses 28 to 36. When you're there, you can shout amen. And if you're not, say, wait for me. Hallelujah. It's only fair that you're not in Genesis while the rest of us are in Luke. And then you have to kind of mime it and just act like you're reading it, but you're reading something else. Luke chapter 9, verse 28. Let's read together. Three, two, one, go. Now it came to pass after eight days, after the saints, that he took Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered, and his robe became white, glistening. And behold, two men talked with him, who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his disease, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and those with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Then it appeared as they were parting from him that Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were fearful as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. When the voice had ceased, Jesus was found alone, but they kept quiet and told no one in those days any of the things they had seen. Look at somebody next to you and say to that person, heaven is real. Heaven is real. Heaven is real. As a matter of fact, I dare to say to you this morning that heaven is more real than the earth. Heaven is more real than the earth. The writer of Hebrews helps us to understand that the things which are visible were made out of that that is invisible to our naked eyes. I have a question for you this morning. Do you know that heaven regularly invades the earth? Do you know that? That heaven regularly invades the earth. It's very easy for us to, to read this uh, portion of scripture and think, oh my goodness, look at what Peter, James, and John experienced. Such a phenomenal experience. Like something no man can experience. But it's not true. Heaven invades the earth. Can you believe even if you cannot perceive it? with your physical senses. Today, I really believe the Lord just wants me to talk to you about some concepts of the reality of the kingdom of God and the manifestations that come with it. I, I titled this message, The Reality of God's Kingdom. And I know that the Lord has blessed this word in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to talk about the reality of God's kingdom. But let's lay some foundation here, some foundational truths that I want to just uh, build upon. If you're taking down notes, please write this down. Number one, man is spirit, has a soul, and lives in a body. Man is spirit, has a soul, and lives in a body. 
You see, because of the fall of man, man has the tendency to be more in touch with the body and soul. So we get all caught up with this. Now, you're looking at me right now in front of you, but I dare to say to you that all you're looking at is my earth suit. That's all it is. It's my earth suit. The real me is spirit. Didn't the Bible say that God made us in his image and after his likeness? And God is spirit. The man Adam was created first as a spirit being before God molded his earth suit and breathed the life of God, his own life into it. Very important. This is why we sometimes struggle with spiritual concept because we cannot get locked up into this mindset that we are physical beings trying to have spiritual experiences. But really, we are spiritual beings experiencing the physical. Nicodemus had a big issue when Jesus began to teach him about the things of the Spirit. And Jesus began to tell him that except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom. Except a man be born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom. And Nicodemus was baffled. What is this guy talking about? And at some point, Jesus had to say, and you're a teacher of the people and you don't know these things? He said, this stuff I'm sharing with you is basic. How would you be able to handle heavenly things? Because as far as Nicodemus was concerned, how can a man go back into the mother's womb and be born again? Because he couldn't really grasp the things of the spirit that Jesus was talking about. I ask you again this morning, is this born again thing real to you? Is it real to you? Is it real anybody? Just show of hand, is it real to you? Because the Bible says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Behold, all things have passed away and all things have become new. Did you notice when you gave your life to the Lord, your body didn't change? Your soul is not is instantly transformed. It requires work. Romans 12, 2. It requires work. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's not your body that gets transformed. It's your soul. It's important for you to understand that this born-again thing is real. Even though your toes didn't change and your fingers didn't change, but you have changed. Is heaven real to you? Is it real to you? There's a lot of people out there today who believe heaven is just a figment of a man's imagination. Some people say these Christians have made this thing up so that they can just scare us to join their religion, they call it. Is the kingdom of God real to you? Let's talk about this concept of reality for a moment. Reality can be defined as the quality or state of being real. A real event, a real entity, real state of affairs. It's reality when it's not fiction, when it's not imaginary, but what actually exists or is happening it has to be real it's reality it's happening but here is the question can it be real if it cannot immediately 
be proven with your physical senses. Because here is where we have the challenge many times. Because we're so locked up into the realm of the physical, we have no problem with something that our physical senses can take hold of. But whenever our eyes cannot see it, our nose cannot smell it, our tongue cannot taste it, our ears cannot hear it in the physical realm, and our hands cannot touch it in the physical realm, we begin to struggle. For example, how many people can see what I'm holding? How many people believe I'm holding the Bible? That there's a Bible right here with me. How many people can believe that there's air right here next to me? Can you tell? Can you tell there's hair? Can you see it? All right. So when air is blowing, we call it what? Wind. Can anybody see this ribbon? Can you see the air blowing around it? Can you see it? Can you see it now? Now, why is it that you had more faith to say yes? Because you could see the after effect of the move of the wind. Are you with me? So the Lord began to teach me one day. He said, son, one of the ways that you're able to see the reality of the things that I'm doing that does not immediately manifest in the physical realm is to watch for the fruits. Watch for the after effects of it. He calls it proof producing. See, one of the things I, I, I learned about the ministry of Jesus was that Jesus was a proof producer. Jesus would show it and then tell what he's just shown. Jesus many times will have his disciples pull him aside later on to say, Rabbi or Rabboni, what was that all about? What was that stuff you just done? Or what was that stuff you just said? And then he has to explain it to them because many of what he did and how he operated, they couldn't originally comprehend it. I remember when my children were growing up, uh, we, we relocated to Oregon, USA in the year 2004. We started a church, and I remember I used to be so scared of America in those days. So I went and looked for a Christian school for my two older children. The third one was not born until 2006. And I remember this Christian school, they do something once every quarter. They call it show and tell. They tell all the children to go home and pick up something, an object, just anything. And then they would come before the class and they'll tell the rest of the class what it's all about. I didn't realize then that they were teaching these children to be confident, to learn how to stand before people and present themselves. And I remember then my children would come, Dad, what am I going to do for show and tell? Uh, Dad, what am I going to do for show and tell? And then eventually they find something. They just pick up something an object and they say okay study about it so you stand before the class and you tell them about it and that whole concept of show and tell has stayed with me particularly when I read the Gospels that was the operation of Jesus Jesus was always showing and telling and I heard the father say to me one day said one of the challenges with you my children today is that you are telling of a lot of things that you can't demonstrate and the people who you're supposed to minister to who should believe you are struggling many times because it feels like the sons of God are saying one thing, but our reality is different. 
We're talking about how good our God is. Oh, our God is a healer. It's hard for the unbeliever to take that from you if you're sick all the time in the workplace. It's hard for the unbeliever to believe that God is a provider if you're the one that is going around begging to borrow money all the time. And then they look at you and they say, prove this thing you are saying. If your God is really this good, how come we can't see the evidence in your life? And so I learned to pray. Even as a young pastor, I said, God, please, please, I ask you, whatever you would have me preach and teach, please let it manifest in my life too. You know a great prayer? Ask God, Lord, make me a billboard of your goodness. Let me be one that when I appear, I can advertise your gospel. The peace I enjoy. Your goodness in my life. Your prosperity, and I have to be really careful how I say that because many times people liken prosperity to materialism. Prosperity covers everything. It's way more than just material things. Your well-being in my life, let it speak of your goodness. Let's talk about this concept called the kingdom of God. When Jesus showed up, even before Jesus showed up, John the Baptist began to announce the ministry of Jesus. The Bible said from the time John the Baptist began to preach, he would say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is near. Sorry, he would say the kingdom of heaven is near. And then Jesus starts his ministry after the showdown in the wilderness with, with Satan. And the Bible said he began to announce the kingdom of heaven is here. It's at hand. You would notice in the Gospels the difference in the phrase, uh, the use of kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God. Matthew many times will use kingdom of heaven. Have you noticed that? Basileia to Uranus. But Mark and Luke will use kingdom of God. Now one of the reasons for this is because Matthew wrote primarily to the Jews. And if you know something about the Jews, they believe that they cannot call the name of God. They don't call the name of God. They take seriously the Ten Commandments that say you shall not use the name of your Lord God in vain. So if you find Jewish people till today, particularly Orthodox Jews, you will find that they will not call Yahweh. They will not call his name. And so you find out when you compare the Gospels that the same stories or the same occasions when Jesus was teaching about the kingdom, it was either referred to as the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Now, for me, many years ago, I used to be so confused to think that whenever I see the kingdom of heaven, it's talking about heaven. But it's not. For example, in this text that I just read to you, just one verse before that, Jesus had just made a statement that many of you will not die by the time the kingdom of God is made manifest. So how can they experience the kingdom of God before they die if the kingdom of God is heaven? Are you with me? He said, you know, people will say, here it is. It, it's out here in the world. And he said, no, the kingdom of God is neither here nor there, but it's within you. 
And it took a while for me to really understand that this kingdom of God is like the extension of the rule and the dominion of the God of heaven into the earth realm whereby one can experience the conditions of heaven here on earth. It's like an ambassador sent from another kingdom that goes into a foreign territory and begins to colonize that foreign territory with the conditions of the kingdom that he's from. I believe in this room there'll be some of our Caribbean heritage or African heritage. You can understand what the colonizers did historically. How they turned some of our home countries into an annex of the kingdom where the queen was. Are you with me? So when we consider this concept of the kingdom of God that Jesus brought, we're talking about God reintroducing heaven on earth. Man originally in the garden of Eden, which was a type of heaven on earth. Man through sin lost this position of glory. We fell from the position of glory and started to live in, in a level of existence that is beneath what the father originally mandated. And so when Jesus came, it was very important that the prophets will announce that it's not the coming of a religious leader. Jesus did not bring a religion. Let, let that sink in a little bit. What did Isaiah testify? For unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. What did he say about his name? His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What did he say he was coming with? He said there's a government on his shoulder. Jesus came with a government. He came with the kingdom of heaven and reintroduced it into the earth realm. And then Jesus could make statements like, even though I am in the world, I am not of the world. I am like an ambassador in which it doesn't matter where I'm at, everything to do with my life is based on the kingdom that sent me. And hence the reason why Jesus could operate completely different from the rabbis of his time. Concerning the existence of the kingdom of God, Jesus made himself a proof producer. He demonstrated the reality of a kingdom that could not be seen with the physical eyes or heard with the physical ears. By the way, I think it's important to just drop this in your spirit. Do you know that just as you have five physical senses, you also have five spiritual senses? Did you know that? Do you know that your spirit man, there's a spiritual sense of sight, of hearing, of smelling, of tasting, and of touch? Did you know that? Did you know that when Gehazi was with Elisha and Gehazi saw the army that surrounded them, he was operating what? In physical eyesight. But what was different with his master? His master had stepped into the realm of spiritual eyesight. So all of a sudden, the master realized, oh gosh, mm, oh God, this guy's slow. He can't even see what I'm seeing. And then he prays to the father to open Gehazi's eyes. Which eyes was open? This one? No. His spiritual eyesight was open. And then all of a sudden, Gehazi sees the child and says, oh man, we're cool. We're, we're, we're cool right now. Nothing 
it's going to happen here. How do you think we get words of knowledge? How do you think we get prophetic words? With our spiritual ears. Now, one of the things I've noticed with the Lord is, even my touch, he's been training me with my touch. There's a young lady over there. Uh, you're wearing a black sweater. Do you mind if I ask you to just step out and just come forward for a second? I'd like to pray with you. Yes, you. I know you're, you're, you're checking. Yes, it's you. Would, you. would you like to come? Uh, do you mind me asking your name? Your name is Onasia. Onasia. I'm just going to hold you right there. Now, I discovered this. As the Lord began to train me um, and train my spiritual senses, one of the things he began to do was really use different things that look like natural to train the spiritual. So I noticed that when I would touch a person like this and begin to pray, after a while, what I am praying is no longer my words. And the very common thing that happens is that the person will begin to look at me like, what on earth is going on here? Who told him this about me? Onasi, can I pray with you? Okay. So, Father, I thank you for your daughter. I thank you for Onasi. I thank you for how you have made her. You have formed her beautifully and wonderfully, and she's your daughter. She's precious to you. I thank you for what you are doing in her life, even in this season. I thank you, Father God, for the heritage that she's been born into. And I thank you, Father, it's a good godly heritage. And Lord, I thank you also, Father God, Lord, for how you've taken your daughter through seasons, oh God, where she's kind of been attracted to things outside of what she should be attracted in and kind of just struggled a little bit with, oh God, really, can I just do this Christian thing on its own or can I have a little taste of what's out there? Lord, you put within her a desire for, for fashion. She likes beauty. And Lord, you're showing her, Father God, that there's a beauty you put on the inside of her that will reign and will flow out of her when the time comes. But in this season, I hear the Lord saying to pray for you that in the name of Jesus Christ, those things that look like a pool on the outside that sometimes will bring that question of, okay, am I just going to just stay in this church thing or will I get to experience some of what's out there? That the Lord will help you realize that there's nothing out there. It's not really worth it. And that in the name of Jesus, you will understand one of the words, I don't know whether it's mommy or daddy that says it to you, but you're reminded from time to time that you're different. You're reminded that you're not the same as your girlfriends. You're even reminded, even a lot more, many times with the school setting, some kind of look at you like your goody-goody two-shoes. I, I don't know how long ago you are in secondary school. But then you've just kind of kept that voice of the parents that kept reminding you of who you are and how you're different. I pray over you in the name of Jesus Christ that you would grow in intimacy with the Lord and in the name of you at the time that he has appointed, that beauty will come out of you. You will beautify girls. There are girls that are attracted to you. They kind of give you a lot of compliments um, for different reasons about you. But really what is drawing them more is that that the Lord has put on the inside of you because time is coming when those who are broken, those who are messed up, God would use you to bring beauty back to them. I hear the phrase of beauty for ashes. So hold on to the word of the Lord. Hold on to a lifestyle of being intimate, learning more about him and growing him because indeed you are not the same as your friends. You would find out with time. You're so special, so set apart. Everything concerning your life, marriage, family, children is so set apart by God that you can't afford to miss it. The Lord bless you. Amen. Now, I want to ask you very quickly. By the way, can I just ask you very quickly? 
the prayer I was praying for you, did any of that seem like it was personal, like I was saying something that I shouldn't know? The prayer is real, it's confirmed. I'm different. And yeah, I'm a leader, not a follower. I'm above, not beneath. I'm the head and not the tail. This is what she's reminded me over and over again when I started university. So you've confirmed it. And in terms of wanting to um, draw closer to God and wanting the world, you've confirmed it. I was sitting there and I was thinking, mm, I was still thinking about it. And then you just said it. Thank you, Jesus. Now, you would wonder, what was that? The Lord stopped me. He said, talk about spiritual senses. Then all of a sudden, I begin to talk about spiritual senses. Then he said, demonstrate it. Now, how did I hear this? It's not an audible voice. I just heard it. He's been training me like this for quite a while, so I'm kind of used to it. And then he said, go for it. So I thought, okay, I'll just take the chance. He said, you know what I do with your right hand? When you hold with the right hand, I will direct you to pray prophetically and accurate. And so I would say, wow, you were taking a risk. What if you were wrong? I kind of just know by now that it's just not wrong because it's really not me. I only do it when he asked me to do it. And I'm telling you, many of you have had your spiritual senses at use. You know, uh, I think it was Paul or Timothy that said that by the reason of use, he was talking about spiritual senses, by the reason of use. The problem is, in the natural, when you become a baby, you start learning to use your physical senses. You, you're told how to talk, bah, bah, you how to touch, and you start learning, this is what drums look like, this is a chair, and so on and so forth. So you train your physical senses. The only thing that most of us have not been told when we became born again is that when you're born again, you're born again spirit. You may be a grown person externally, but your spirit man also needs to be trained. So you've got to learn, how do I hear from God. How do I see beyond the realm of the natural? For example, when I get words of knowledge, I would see an organ. I had to, at a point, tell one of my spiritual daughters, who, who is, she's now a doctor, but then she was still studying to be uh, a doctor. I told her, I said, could you get me a book on anatomy and physiology? Because I want to learn about human parts so that whenever God shows me a picture of a human part, I know what it is, so I know what he's healing. Are you with me? God wants your spiritual senses heightened. He wants it operational. He wants you to be able to use it for his glory. Let me share with you some of the ways in which Jesus demonstrated. I've got to move very fast now because of time. Some of the ways that Jesus demonstrated the reality of the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 5 verses 4 to 7. Luke chapter 5 verses 4 to 7. If you can turn to it very quickly. Luke 5, 4 to 7. Many of you are familiar with this story. It's the story of how this man had tried to catch fish all night and they had caught nothing. Anybody remember that story? Yeah. And they caught nothing. And, and, and the Bible said, and when he had stopped speaking, Jesus had just been teaching about the kingdom of God. You see in one of the uh, records of the Gospels that he was teaching about the kingdom of God. And now he wanted to give them a little demonstration. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have told all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I would let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and the net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled the boat boats. So they began to sink. Now think about it for a moment. Experienced fishermen had tried all night, caught nothing. A carpenter's son 
who probably his apprenticeship was in carpentry, now tells them, go back into the water. Now, these guys knew beyond all reasonable doubt there's no fish there. What did Jesus see? How did Jesus say, or even better, where did the fish come from? They were definitely not in the water before. How did he get them from the realm of invisible into the realm of visible? I, I want you to know that all you see is not all there is to see. There's more going on in this room than you see. Do you know that there are angels in this room right now? I've never seen any of these angels myself with my naked eyes. But I've had people tell me over and over again that they see them. For example, I know the ones who minister with me. I, I, I've seen one with my eyes closed. I saw his face. And, and when he saw I could see his face, he was telling another angel, oh, he can see me. It was almost like the father just allowed me to see for a brief moment. And he had this smile. I can describe him, the, everything about the facial features. And he had this smile, kind of like a smirk of, oh, he can see me. He can see me for a little while. Now, I've only had that happen with my eyes closed. But I've had people describe the angel that ministers with me Describe the angel in details. I've been in international, I mean countries, on international ministry. And I've had elderly people as well as young people say, when you did this, the angel did this. When you did this, the angel did that. And I'm like, I've never seen anything. But I know the hair. I know the hair. I know the Lord has taught me to pray. I know some specifically. I know a couple of them by name that I would pray and I would ask them to come. And I know they would come. And I know that they're usually responsible for some of those healings, especially when it is sovereign. When I've not had the chance to pray for a person or move near a person. Thank you, Holy Spirit. All right, because of time, I'm just going to do this right now. So even right now, right now, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I lose you, angels of the Lord, that are in the room to just go ahead and begin to do what the Father has sent you for. You were waiting for instruction. Now you have the instruction. Just go ahead and do it and begin to heal those who need healing in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up right now, but I'm just going to call these words of knowledge in case I don't get to finish this message. Somebody with lower abdominal pain, lower abdominal pain. And as soon as I received it, I felt like the Lord said it's a woman. Somebody with lower abdominal pain, if you want, you can put your hand up. I'm not going to come over to you to pray with you now, but you acknowledging that that is me kickstarts your healing right there. You acknowledging it means my faith in releasing the word of knowledge plus your faith in saying I'm the one with the abdominal pain causes it to begin to activate. So if you're that person, you can put your hand very quickly. I also heard chest congestion. Chest congestion. First, I heard the word congestion. Is there anyone who's been experiencing congestion in the chest? I know that I'm supposed to take time to explain words of knowledge and why it's important for a response before I do this, but... Again, I'm not faced sometimes when the hands don't go up. I know what God is doing, and I know that you're here, and I just go ahead and get it. Uh, blood circulation issues came back again this morning. Somebody with blood circulation issues, and then I heard embolism. 
That one, I didn't really know what it meant before, but during worship, I had to quickly Google it to find out what does embolism mean, and I saw that it means blocked artery. I don't know who that is for. And finally, I literally hesitated on this one for a little while. The Lord said he wants to kill cancer cells. So I'm praying it in the name of Jesus, anyone with cancerous cells, that this cells die that these cells die. As a matter of fact, any kind of abnormal cells that is causing any kind of tumor, I pray in the name of Jesus, in this atmosphere, in this anointing, cells die. I curse you from your root by the authority of the name of Jesus. Die, dry up, wither away, and set the children of God free in Jesus' name. Amen. In Luke chapter 11, verses 14 to 20, we read of another incident. This time, it was an incident of deliverance. Jesus casted out a demon, verse 14. He said he was casting out a demon and it was mute. So it was when the demon had gone out that the mute spoke and the multitude marveled. But some of them said he cast out demons by Beelzebub. And then Jesus gave them a lecture about how kingdoms work. That a kingdom that's divided against itself cannot stand. It's like Jesus politely saying, you dum-dums, you think Satan would allow me to cast out his demon by the power of his demon? And then finally, in verse 20, Jesus made the statement. He said, but if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. What was Jesus saying? He said, here is another proof of the kingdom. The kingdom comes with superior authority. When heaven invades the earth and the atmosphere of heaven seeps into the room where the sons and daughters of God have been worshipping, what tends to happen is you may not notice it, especially if we're too hooked up with the physical dimension. But I guarantee you that the demons that are in the room, they notice and they begin to leave. Particularly those ones that they call afflicting spirits. How many people know what afflicting spirits are or spirits of infirmity? These are the demons that attach themselves to a part of your physical body and they cause pain or they cause an organ not to function properly. You think it's a health condition, but it's not. Now, let me help somebody. If you want to discover whether it's an afflicting spirit that is causing pain, you just do this simple thing. Begin to pray for the person. Ask them where the pain is. When you start praying, if they tell you the pain moves, like if somebody says, my shoulder is hurting, you begin to pray for their shoulder, and they say, oh, it looks like it's gone now. But now I'm feeling the pain in my waist. You know straight away that's an afflicting spirit. That spirit is changing position in that physical body. So you change your prayer. The way I was trained by my mentor, you don't plead. Once you know it's an afflicting spirit, now you speak authoritatively. You foul spirit of infirmity, I command you now in the name of Jesus out of this body. And many times, I'm telling you, it can move. The person will say, oh, my left shoulder. Then they'll say, oh, my left elbow is hurting. Oh, my wrist. And then out it goes. Again, because you can't see, remember, these spirits are persons without bodies. Because you can't see them with your naked eyes does not mean they don't exist. But if you train your eyes, like, Pastor Daniel, do you see them? No, not really. Many times I can only tell by their effect and what they're doing. I can look in somebody's eyes and I can tell whether there's one of the enemies in there. Because they cause some involuntary action sometimes. One day we'll, we'll do a whole, whole teaching on deliverance. 
because I, I enjoyed that a little bit, but it's a bit messy as well. It takes a lot of time, and it can be really, really messy. But I've learned a bit more about how to, to kind of cut off the messy aspect of it, how we can take authority as children of God, stop this demon spirit from jerking somebody around and doing all that rubbish that they like to do, or do all that theatrical and make all that noise. You can stop that. You can stop that as a child of God by your authority in Jesus. You, you stop it. You, you make that command right from the beginning that you're not allowed to do this. I don't permit you to take over this person's body. And when they know that you know what you're saying, they can't do it. And they will leave. Praise the name of the Lord. In Acts chapter 5 verses 14 to 16, again moving very fast, we see another demonstration of the reality of the kingdom. We're talking about the reality of the kingdom. This time Jesus is not even there. The Bible says in Acts chapter 5 verses 14, it said that the believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women saw that they brought the sick out into the street and laid them on beds and couches. That at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. And also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirit, and they were all healed. I prayed all the time, Lord, as I teach, let there be grace to produce proof. Jesus was gone by now. The disciples he had left had been so well trained that some of them were beginning to carry that atmosphere of heaven. I remember this morning I was doing a little bit of study into that issue of the shadow. The Bible said all they needed was for Peter's shadow to be cast on the sick person. So they lined them up on the side of the road. So now we're talking about proximity. Peter just needs to be close enough that his shadow is cast on them and they get healed. Now, man of like passion as you and I, okay? Peter is not Jesus. There's no Holy Ghost conception. Just a man that encountered Jesus. But there was such an atmosphere of heaven around Peter. It's like a first field. Heaven had invaded earth. When this guy has experienced God in, in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, when the Bible talked about the mighty rushing wind that came and the fire angels that showed up in the room and kindled upon their heads, and the Bible said even their vocal cords were taken over and their vocal cords began to declare praises in language that they had not learned. But this man had now learned to spend so much time in prayer, breaking of bread, to the point where what Jesus said became true. Remember Jesus had told them, guys, don't, don't get worried and sad that I am going. As a matter of fact, it's better I go so he can come. But when he comes, he's your paracletos. He's the one that will come and be alongside you. And who is the he that is talking about the Holy Spirit from heaven? The one that carries the atmosphere of heaven. You see, we, we go to churches these days and people do a lot of hype. Oh, the Spirit is moving. Oh, and there's nothing happening. I'm not talking about hype. I'm talking about when the Holy Spirit really shows up. When that atmosphere experiences him, you don't have to hype anything up. You don't have to whip up the emotions of people. They will begin to feel it. Just like the people lined on the side of the road. The evidence of heaven and the atmosphere of heaven 
invading them. Do you know that sickness is not permitted in heaven? Did you know that? Do you know that whatever cannot exist in heaven, when heaven releases its atmosphere anywhere on the earth, that thing also cannot exist. So because Peter was a carrier of heaven, he was now a citizen of the kingdom of God, though still on the earth, he had learned to carry that atmosphere to the point where his very atmosphere, his very surrounding was enough to begin to correct anything that was abnormal as far as heaven's standard is concerned. Cancer does not exist in heaven. Rheumatism, pain, uh, uh, all those different illnesses and sicknesses we talk about, they don't exist in heaven. And so I've learned one thing. Do you know how we can get more healings? If we know how to worship God, to provoke thick, rich atmosphere of the presence of the Holy Spirit, things will begin to happen. I never knew. I used to watch Benny Hinn for years. I used to watch many of all these. I used to say, what do they do, God? How do they do that? Many times what they just do is announce what God is doing. But the worship would have created such an atmosphere that the angels are already at work. So they're just announcing, Pastor Benny, oh, this person did that, 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 that. And he's just announcing it to the people because God has done it already. Because of time, I have three questions I want to ask you. What will happen on earth if every child of God becomes proficient in downloading information from heaven? If all of us can begin to download the prophetic and have foresight, you know, things like COVID wouldn't shake us because it'll be like, we already know it's coming. God has given us all the details. It's not like we're going to be like scared. And while the world is running around, we're running around as well because we don't know what's going on. How about if we became proficient in causing heaven to invade the earth? That's why we started the Kingdom Encounter Service. It was how God trained us for two years. There was, that was one of the services where uh, we put a disclaimer, it's not for children. If you're the type that just wants a one-hour service, don't even bother coming to Kingdom Encounter. Because you don't rush God. You can't rush the Holy Spirit. So when we come to Kingdom Encounter in the evening, we know only the serious folks come. If all we have is hundreds, so be it. But we know kingdom encounter is when the serious folks come. Because we've come to press in to experience him. I don't know about you, but there are different levels of hunger. I just came back from Lusaka, Zambia, where I went to a service that started at 10 a.m. in the morning. Sorry, 8 a.m. in the morning. And we finished at 1 p.m. and nobody left. And I thought, what is going on here? Because when stuff's happening and people are experiencing God doing signs and wonders, nobody wants to leave because the signs is making everybody wonder. Everybody wants to see what, what's going to happen next. What's going to happen next? Even the food, you just say, okay, I'll eat that later. Did you know that God wants you to be a producer? Many of you have seen Mark 16. Please look at it again. The signs that will follow the believer. You cast out demons. Every Christian should enjoy casting out demons. I tell members of our congregation, you should enjoy it. 
It's our opportunity to show the love and the kindness of God to those who are suffering. I, I enjoy, it takes time. Sometimes it takes time. I'm praying to grow in authority, so it would take less time to do it. But I enjoy the after effect when I see a person free. And that that the enemy has been using to torment them is now gone. It's really, really fun. Or when you begin to see the life of an individual completely changed. What two years of counseling could not do. When the enemy is driven out and all of the liars that have been affecting that individual, you see the person become free and they're enjoying themselves and they're having a good time. It's the proof of the kingdom of God. I started with Luke chapter 9 verses 27 to 36 and I remember sharing with you this encounter that Peter, James, and John had. That encounter clearly showed us a number of things. Heaven is closer than we think. Heaven can actually be here right now. These guys were on the physical earth. One minute they were with Jesus. Lazy bombs, you know, they, they were praying and sleeping. Actually, they've been doing that stuff for a while. Not even at Gethsemane. The disciples kind of like heavy with sleep. But on this occasion, all of a sudden they noticed. Now you ask me the question, how did they know it was Moses and Elijah? Were they alive? Do they know what? Did they have photographs of Moses and Elijah or pictures? Spiritual senses. How did they see Moses and Elijah? They were no longer on the earth. Their spiritual eyes. Their spiritual eyes saw clearly these two men with Jesus. And their spiritual senses picked it up that it was Moses and Elijah. As a matter of fact, it was their spiritual ears also that heard when the voice said, This is my beloved son. Hear him. The fact that you cannot prove a thing with your physical senses does not mean it's not real. The Lord is saying it's time, my children, it's time, it's time, it's time. Seek first my kingdom. Thank you very much. Somebody just helped me there. <laughs> I shut the laptop down. Seek first my kingdom. Seek first my kingdom. The kingdom of God is not about religion. The kingdom of God is about the reality of heaven. The kingdom of God changes everything. It's a complete game changer. When it comes to provision, when the kingdom manifests, there is no lack. When the kingdom manifests, it could be a boy's lunch. They say, oh, it's just two loaves of bread and five fish. But when the kingdom comes, because in the realm of the kingdom of God, there's no scarcity. So the reality of heaven supersedes the reality of the earth. And the reality of heaven causes the bread and the fish to keep multiplying. And it will have to keep multiplying until everybody has eaten and until they say, all right, this is enough. The reality of the kingdom of God can cause our weddings to be lovely. One minute they say there's no wine. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning that you get depressed when you look at your bank account. Who told you that what is in your bank account is all that is available to you, child of God?
There is way more resources. Let me tell you, God had to deal with me that, son, it's a selfish mindset that makes you think about gathering. And it's like, this is mine. He said, I never wanted you to have that mindset, but rather have a mindset of the commonwealth of my kingdom. Whatever you need, whenever you need it, have faith to know it's available. If it's not in your bank account, it does not mean it's not available. The kingdom of God is a game changer. The issue is how many people actually believe in it. Is it real to you? Are you still living like mere men on an ordinary earth? Or have you begun to shift your mindset to see that you are different? I don't fear lack no more. If I say that I can never be broke again another day in my life, somebody might think he's boasting. But it's only because my mindset has changed. I've seen him develop me. He, he, would, even, he would even train me with natural things. I remember the year 2016, 2017, the Lord said to me, okay, son, for the first time, I want you to believe me for a brand new car. I'd never owned a brand new car. I'd, I'd help my wife to own one, but I never had a brand new car. I had this mindset that only foolish people buy brand new cars because you lose so much money after the first two, three years. And then one day I heard the Lord say, so the people who drive it all the time, do they have two heads? Do they carry my anointing? And then he knew that I had a poverty, a bit of a poverty mindset. And he said, son, you know what I want you to believe for? A brand new Mercedes. I can share with you testimonies upon testimonies of God's training to make me change how I think. To make me realize that son, stop thinking so earthly. So stop being so earthly in your thinking. I am bigger than you know. I am better than you know. Come out of the limited thinking and see my kingdom is here. My kingdom is here. I don't want you just looking forward to going to heaven. But even while you're here, you can have the life of heaven on earth. You can be victorious over sickness. You can be victorious over the challenges in your marriage. You can be victorious concerning your children. You can be victorious concerning your finances. You can be victorious concerning your ministry. All you need to know how to do is seek first my kingdom and all these things shall be added unto you. Let's rise up together this morning. If this message has touched your heart, would you take a minute to just respond to the Lord? I know time is so fast spent. But those who need the healing also receive your healing right now. You can always share with pastors and, and let them know what the Lord has done for you. But just go ahead and respond. Go ahead and respond. Go ahead and respond to the Lord. Go ahead and respond to the Lord. One of the prayer points the Lord put on my heart was that some of us will need to repent that we've been too earthly minded. We've been too earthly minded. The Lord said you've been too earthly minded. You give up so quickly. You accept defeat so easily because you've comforted yourself. Oh, well, I'm just going to go to heaven and everything will be fine. But what we're not realizing is we're making Jesus' coming of little effect. 
He didn't just come so that we can escape and go to heaven. If that was the plan, as soon as each and every one of us get born again, we should have taken the next flight out. But we've been left here on purpose because we have work to do. But while we're doing that work, we're not supposed to be beaten down. We're not supposed to be sick and broke, depressed, discouraged. That is not the plan. That was not the life that Jesus demonstrated when he was here. Would you take a moment and just say, Lord, please change my reality. Change my reality. I don't know what's the greatest challenge you're dealing with now. Is it a health crisis? Is it a financial crisis? Is it something to do with marriage? Something to do with family? Something to do with your career? What is that biggest challenge? Would you actually intentionally pray now? Just pray that, Lord, visit this area of my life. Let your kingdom come in this area of my life. Let your will be done. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray, my brothers and sisters. Let's pray with passion. We have just just few more minutes that I'm just trying to, to take another extra minute. Just in this moment, in this moment, begin to declare over that situation. Lord, I commit the situation to you. Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Father, anything in my life that does not line up with your heaven's plan, anything that does not line up with how it is in heaven, oh God, I cry out to you. Lord Jesus, as you taught us to pray, that it be here on earth, that your will be done as it is in heaven. Let your will be done for new life assembly. Everything that heaven has in store, Father, I pray, let it be released. Sons and daughters be released. The young generation be released. Resources for everything the ministry wants to do be released. Let heaven come. I pray, let healing be released. Let healing be released. Be made well in the name of Jesus. Heaven touch you. Heaven touch you. Heaven touch you. Heaven's reality come upon you. Father, I thank you that your angels are still here. I just ask, oh God, touch your sons and daughters. I ask, oh God, that your presence go with them. Every beautiful work you have become. We may not have the time to check to know what you have done. But Lord, I know that you are doing it and you will finish it. You will finish it. You will finish it. Lord, all the words of knowledge that you gave me, whomever these words of knowledge are for, I thank you, Father God, for the healing is completed in the name of Jesus. That abdominal pain completely gone. That woman, Father God, or more than one woman, oh God, who have suffered, Father God, that unnecessary woman issue pain, I pray in the name of Jesus, it's gone. It's gone, it's gone, it's gone, it's gone. I thank you, Father, that embolism, whoever that one is, Father. Lord, whoever it is, Lord, whether they know yet or they don't know and that artery has been blocked, I, Father, I pray, oh God, let it be unblocked in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, and all the words of knowledge 
that you gave your sons yesterday that we did not get the chance to give. Father, I ask, do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Over and above what I'm able to ask or think. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen and amen and amen. Somebody thank the Lord.